from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. But we start off today with a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Wednesday, September 16th, if you're joining us on live broadcast, and September 17th, for those of you joining us on the radio. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today is Catherine Wei. Hi! Up next, we'll be telling you how investigators crushed an attempt to pull off a particularly pungent crime. Then, could a new rule bring anarchy to school recess time? And keeping the traditional art of making offerings to the dead alive. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Well, we start off today in the central county of Yunlin, where, as I said, investigators crushed an attempt to pull off a very uh, <laughs> pungent crime. Um, yeah, they got a bit of whiff of suspicion back in June when uh, garlic prices began to rise all of a sudden. And oh. uh, they started off, yeah, uh, on January 1st at around $5 per kilogram. Mm -hmm. And by September 11th, they were three times or so that much. So that is a big job. Could be behind it. Um, so I'm sure this is a, a great uh, job for a detective. Uh, investigators from the uh, Investigation Bureau's Union County Field Office and the county's Agriculture Department mm -hmm. uh, checked in on two vendors who rather suspiciously had seemed to be stocking up on local supplies of garlic from June. Mm -hmm. And uh, they found 150 tons of garlic in this warehouse. 150 I'm, tons I'm just not sure by how, two yeah, quarters how they didn't uh smell that from a while away but or uh, yeah even get caught earlier it's been three months and <laughs> what's that's what 50 tons a month no i should say that uh these two garlic vendors are being investigated they haven't mm. been you know convicted of anything yet i'm not sure what crime okay that is, so we're so. not sure yet so alleged 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 mm -hmm. but um so I guess we should tell their side of the story. One of them is denying the allegations, claiming that 58 mm -hmm. tons of this garlic were being stored to supply contract farmers, while the rest was intended for general sales. Uh, a local farmers association has a different explanation. Uh, I'm not sure uh, whether this could be part of the reason why prices also maybe went up, but they said that the rise was caused by an interruption in imports because some imports recently have failed to meet uh, uh, standards at customs and mm -hmm. had to be sent back. But that's a lot of garlic to suddenly be coming in subpar, isn't it? I know. So uh, I'm not sure if that I don't really quite believe that. Explain what's been going on. But anyway, yeah, um, they say that uh, they've seized the vendor's books and other paperwork. Mm -hmm. They've transferred their case, and it's going up for further investigation. Meanwhile, though, uh, fans of garlic need not fear. The, uh, <laughs> the minister for the Council of Agriculture says uh, that 
you know, there are still over 7,000 tons of local supplies available. Mm -hmm. Imports are going to gradually rise to make up the shortfall in supply and prices uh, should Stop, stop rising and stabilize soon. I'm not sure what they're going to do with the 150 tons that they found. How long does garlic keep, do you yeah, think? I, a few months at least. That's how they've been doing it, right? Like I'm sure these two people know very well that garlic can keep up to a few I months. I guess if they're garlic vendors, that makes sense, yeah, doesn't it? It's an inside humid, job. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah um, we do cook with a lot of garlic here. Here's Some people a, have been panicking. <laughs> we do tend to get very... Um, anxious about sudden price oh, rises yeah. and things like this. Here's a fun fact for the day. How much garlic do you think we produce every year? Every year? Yeah, annually. Tons. I'm talking tons. Not like individual heads. They already hoarded 150, so I'm going to guess 600. 50,000 tons of garlic annually. Uh-huh. 50,000 tons of garlic. Just in Taiwan. Yeah. Um, so That's wild. Part of this explanation about the whole import thing is mm. uh, that the harvest usually begins in May, but can only meet domestic demand for four months. So okay. I guess it was smart to start buying up in June when local supplies were still fresh. But, That's uh, true. I don't know. Um, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Maybe you want to let them... <laughs> maybe if, after hanging around all that garlic, they should probably shower off a bit first before going to the next oh, yeah. stage the in the investigation. <laughs> Right, some controversy over a new recess rule. Now, the school year has just begun in Taiwan, and it's already we've had a few controversies, one of them about recess time. Yes, so the education ministry announced something new, a set of new rules, I say, um, for teachers. They're saying, so we have, uh, it depends, elementary school, it's 40 minutes for each, each class, each mm -hmm. lesson. Uh, middle school 45 and high school 50 minutes but regardless uh recess is always 10 minutes between classes you're free to do whatever but i i don't know i used to get yelled at a lot for running in the hallways getting too excited well, running in the i mean okay you could hurt someone i guess that's true uh, yeah excitable but there needs to be some structure i guess yes some boundaries sometimes i felt like some a lot of the um the yell uh the teachers getting mad wasn't called for like we were small children mm. and but yeah so they're saying you cannot reprimand if you're a teacher you cannot reprimand um students during recess and that goes from um of course uh corporal punishment to but that's not really allowed anyway is it it isn't um but also verbal reprimand so you can't even say don't run with scissors in your hand johnny or like, like, that's not even allowed I, that's what they're saying. Um, that sounds like that could lead to some injuries. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I think they're kind of still trying to flesh it out a little, but the teachers have been pushing back a lot on this. They're saying this is um, the ministry is meddling too much, and there are ways that teachers can help without. Um, I don't know. They they say they have their own systems in schools. What does that mean? I don't know, but yeah, the, um, it seems that they're, the education ministry has been <laughs> kicking out of a lot of fuss recently. What are parents saying about this? Uh, I don't see any parent reactions yet, but so far the, the pushback has been mostly from teachers only. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been a while since I last had recess, but let mm -hmm. me just put forth the theory that probably what most kids are doing these days is on their phones. Mm-hmm. Watching yeah. videos. Maybe. I, I wonder, are our kids these days as rambunctious as they used to be, do you think, in Taiwan? Mm, well, I, d I went to a high school for an interview a few months ago. And I think that, high school's a bit 
they don't really have recess, do they? No, but they use it to go play basketball or flirt in the hallways. And the teachers are saying, oh, no, all the flirting is done on your their phones. They just sit in the classrooms all day. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like maybe maybe that's part of the reason that. Maybe. But OK, so I'm reading this. Uh, the rule says the teacher should, uh, if you were to reprimand or punish students, you should also take in mind um, each individual student and their family or their their guardians. Um requirements what does that mean like do they if, have do they have I'm special a sensitive student so if my kid is a gifted angel who would never do anything wrong you can't yeah. say anything <laughs> even though they're they're burning the building down mm, i don't know about burning buildings <laughs> but yes some parents do put out these requests mm. and in the education world they are known as dinosaur parents oh there's a term for that yes which is yeah, I want to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, um, but not so funny for the teachers. They're saying we get a lot of um, unreasonable requirements that our kids cannot be even, you know, like not even reprimanded, just reminded to not do certain things like this is not allowed. Because that always works all the time, right? Yeah. Mm. So. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's some valid educational theoretical research behind this but mm -hmm. yeah i, can I see just feel like they're frustrated. too extreme like sure don't hit kids but also give the teachers don't some... let the kids hit other kids either. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh well well i i guess maybe we'll have to see how this uh plays out through the rest of the school year Right, well, we're sort of around the end of Ghost Month right now, aren't we? I think so. Pudu was last week. Right. Uh -huh. And so that means it's sort of wrapping up. Um, mm. And there's an interesting uh, feature here that I found about a traditional crafts person who's uh, taken up a very interesting craft. One that I don't think is practiced very much these days. I did interview someone a few years ago who does it. Mm. But uh, I remember her saying she's one of the few people like under the age of, of I think, maybe 40 mm -hmm. who's doing it these days. We're talking about zizah, which is a traditional paper-based craft. Mm -hmm. And it's actually uh, a very intricate craft, not like origami. It's more like a model building out of paper. And these are specifically built as offerings to the dead. Mm. Um, and you burn them, right? Usually, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is a very interesting uh, career change. <laughs> this uh, young person originally wanted to be a pastry chef, but had oh, grown wow. up. It's the third generation, you know, of a, in a family that's been Aww. making this, but decided to carry on the family tradition instead oh, um, because nice. there's a, a worries, especially that it might die out. Yeah, traditional crafts here have been slowly dying out. I think that goes with many cultures in the world. But this one, I think, more so than others, because you really, I mean, I'm not that I hang around We're funeral so parlors very though. often, but <laughs> I really think that it's been simplified a lot in recent years. It has been. Um, a lot of the paper offerings, there are still paper offerings, and but they're printed, like I've seen Mercedes. Right, right. <laughs> these are not printed on paper. These are actually built. Yeah, yeah. So they're very intricate. And very intricate. They can be extremely intricate. Um, some have made entire homes. Mm. Uh, one thing that uh, this this uh, craftsman has made has been a Tesla, the latest oh, model of a wow. Tesla. They do and keep up with the trends. No, well, yeah, I think that there have been iPhones, right? They're much more personalized than they used to be. Mm. Um, what do you think? This one, I 
thought was fascinating and also slightly disturbing. The most, uh, it says, which request, because these are custom made, I think, in a lot of cases. Right, you can order them. Has been, uh, has left the greatest impression. Um, it was a request to make a paper model of human organs. Um, yes, uh-huh. apparently it could be, it says here, this is a quote, that the deceased had passed from a certain disease or accident that caused them to lack a certain organ. And I guess... Oh, okay. So I maybe... Think the, on, on, on the other side, you maybe don't need it anymore, but... Maybe, but to make them feel complete again? That's a sweet people, sentiment. I guess so. Um, yeah. A bit morbid, but sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, we are dealing with dead people. Yeah, well, I guess you're right. Um, and so this... Craftsman has now been in the business for more than two decades, and like I said, has seen pretty much everything. Um, and <laughs> on average, uh, it takes a long time. These are um, artisans, really. They are. Um, it takes for like a model of a house or a mansion, which this, these happen. Um, I heard when I did my interview about a request for a film studio, mm-hmm. complete with like all the equipment. It was for the the son of a director had requested this. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, these mansions houses can take a week, but if it's a more detailed house uh-huh. uh, or a film studio, it could take up to ten days to to finish. And this is like full time, all day working. And this is just for one family. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it, it'll cost you. Um, the going rate for houses, these paper houses, for instance, uh-huh. they start at ten thousand anti dollars. How big are they? Like Barbie houses? Again, they vary. I mean, okay. They're not, okay obviously, they're not scale. <laughs> no, 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 no. But like, do they sit in the palm but of your hand, or the, they can uh, include furnishings, uh, swimming pools, whatever you want, and they can go up to a hundred thousand anti dollars. And get this, they come with a deed as well. A written deed. Oh, okay. So the house is yours. So it's like a real estate purchase, even though in many (laughs) cases it gets burned. And Uh um, it was an interesting experience talking to a young person who makes this, a different young person. Mm. Um, I'm not sure about this craftsperson, but they have been making some of the people who are in this field um, some sort of, uh, not concessions, but changes to deal with things like environmental concerns. Mm -hmm. There's Uh, been a lot of other types of burnt offerings that we've heard, like, for instance, incense. And the paper money offered to the gods that, uh, in some cases, have been eliminated altogether from certain temples. Some temples stop using them. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a something that's sort of you know in the public consciousness. And so they said that uh, she said her paper models have extra like little holes in them, so they burn faster, and the material is a bit different. Okay. Um, So actually, it's not just you know one person in this, but it is a small breed and maybe. I don't want to say dying, but they they are, as this uh, person themselves said, mm-hmm. uh, concerns about the future of this. I, mean, I hope she's taking apprentices. That'd be fun. Like, it would be fun. Um, or have an internship program, kind so of. I have never seen one of these myself in person. Mm, I've only you, seen you? them in movies. Like, Singapore does it, too. And okay. They, they, like, make funny, morbid jokes out of this really? tradition. Yeah. Like, I want to burn a Porsche for my dad this year. Or, you know, like, they put in ridiculous requests, too, and... It's been a running gag in some movies. Huh. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's just less common in Taiwan. Like I said, I don't hang around funeral parlors. Mm, but, I've uh, never, I've only seen the paper money. So uh, that's I've, what my family uses. But uh, I wonder, because um, like I said, the person I interviewed uh, mm. takes orders online. I wonder oh, wow. if they're sort of uh, working in this direction to these other Very modern. people. Yeah. But uh, it's an interesting feature. It definitely is something, it's definitely a busy time of year with Ghost Month and all that. Hmm. Oh, 
wait, let's get ready to check it out. And I mean that uh, quite literally, uh, Taiwan's legislature is getting a Czech-themed, <laughs> Czech Republic, I mean, themed uh, area. Yes. And we're going to be able to go and see it soon, although I understand it's already ready to go. It is, but this is also being held in line with the national, um, how do you say, Guji? Uh, sort of in you know historic buildings. Yeah, so there's a national day for that. It'll be this Saturday, really? this coming Saturday. So um, yeah, many um, old historical sites will be open throughout Taiwan, at least in Taipei City first. Free of admission. Uh, yes. Ooh. Yes. Uh, especially the legislative run. It used to be. Um, uh, high school in the Japanese colonial times. I had no idea, really. I didn't know either, but my grandma went there apparently. Um, to that school? Yeah, it's the. So we have um, Taipei First Girls High School, mm-hmm. and there's a second one. There used to be a second girls high school that used to be called Bayernu, but so now. It's a historic school yeah. repurposed as a uh, place where laws are made, okay? Yeah. And so it's going to be open to the public? It's going to be open to the public all day Saturday um, without. So they usually take uh, lunchtime off, but they're saying no, no lunch recesses okay. on Saturday. And where's the Czech connection here? Um, so we, we had a Czech delegation visit I last know. week. It was all no, over the news. No, two weeks ago. Yes, it, it was, was a big one too. Eighty-nine people. Eighty-nine people, and I think the reason they're choosing the legislative run is also um, the speaker made a great speech in in the legislature. Definitely uh, made waves here. He yeah. concluded with the line, "I am Taiwanese," uh, mm-hmm. channeling John F. in Kennedy Mandarin. There. In Mandarin yeah. too, very nice. Uh, yeah. So uh, they are honoring the visit of this delegation, I think. Yes, and so they have uh, how the. Their on exhibition is kind of a timeline mm-hmm. and artifacts from um, Taiwan Czech relations, like how we slowly build up a nice, friendly relationship with this um, also smaller country on the other side of the world. And one that also uh, roughly the same period was going through its own transition to democracy. Right. I think that's where the, the bond two parallel began stories. To. Mm-hmm. And there is also a wall. It's not a Lenin wall this time. It's a demo- democratic friendship wall that people can go and i think they might have post-its ready for you okay because i saw sort of they when the czech senate president was here mm-hmm. um they did sort of a preview it was mm. sort of an unveiling ceremony i saw but okay. i didn't get a good look at what was there so i didn't pay close attention i was yeah there was a lot going on i do know there's a t-shirt that says what's the taiwan run right I'm now taiwanese yeah that's a, a czech made t-shirt and uh, it's uh i think broken their website almost with a number of inquiries from here yeah they're working so with that taiwanese speech really did uh, have a big impact mm-hmm. and i think well i hope a lot of people will go uh check it out like i said <laughs> oh you have to bring a photo id oh okay good to know <laughs> I like yeah. I didn't know you could go into the legislature legislature like as an ordinary person. That's good good you, information. Yeah, you can't normally. Speaking of friends, uh, we're going over now to the Caribbean island nation of Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, one of Taiwan's uh, strongest, most staunch diplomatic allies. We've had unbroken ties since 1981. Wow! And uh, 40 years. Thanks to uh, the ambassador, the Saint Vincent and the Grenadines ambassador to Taiwan, and a student from the country who was uh, going to a university here, uh, they're going. They're starting Mandarin classes in this uh, school, Saint Vincent Girls High School. And oh wow! 
Yeah, it's a program, like I said, initiated by the country's ambassador to Taiwan, Andrea Bowman, but also supported by the Taiwan government. And mm -hmm. that's that's okay. So our the Chinese teachers here are really top notch. I'm I'm biased. <laughs> I can't tell you. I like. Yeah, I I, I think uh, they're in for a really mm -hmm. a really great uh, semester. Now it's, it looks like it's only one school so far that's added Mandarin classes. Mm -hmm. uh, Saint Vincent Girls High School. It's two periods a week for each of its four year classes. And of course, the ambassador used to be the principal at this school, so there's ah, a, okay. bit of a, a connection there. Connection. But it started. What who really got the ball? Uh, rolling was a student from the country who was in a doesn't say which university here. Uh, mm -hmm. Zuleika Lewis, who planted the idea, uh, and they got in touch with the school and its foreign languages department, and they're they're getting Chinese classes. Um, they've already gotten their Chinese names, Aww. which is an important and very exciting. That's first always step. the first thing to do when you yeah. learn how to write your name in Chinese for the first time. That is, a, there's a, well, a big I'm accomplishment. Not sure. Did, well, you're a native speaker. I don't think you've got the well, feel of that. Okay, <laughs> I have a story about that. My okay. mom forgot to teach me how to write my Chinese name on the first day of school. And I went to school and realized that, you know, we have to fill out forms, mm. simple forms. But the first thing was your name. And I was like, oh, goodness, she forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and it is too late to go home now. So, But I noticed that she had taped on each of my pencils my name. A little sticker. Yeah, a little sticker. Um, and I copied off of that. Okay. Yeah. So we had a good laugh at home. <laughs> well, it is. Well, I mean, when you, when you, especially as a non-native speaker, learning to write your name for the first time is a pretty exciting experience. Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing. Well, I it. was pretty much illiterate then too. Like I was a first grader. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess for you the experience was a bit different though. Yes. You were in, you grew up in the environment. Right. 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 Um, and they've learned to sing a song in Chinese. I'm not sure oh, um, that's how, sweet. how much it is sweet. I'm not sure how much immediate use that will be, but uh, mm -hmm. they've learned to introduce themselves, some classroom phrases. And they've done all this, it looks like, within like an hour. Oh, wow. So I'm telling you, Taiwanese Chinese teachers, top-notch stuff. <laughs> um, and uh, I like this quote here, actually, from the ambassador, who says, a country's language carries its culture. Therefore, the cultural exchange through language automatic automatically deepens our 39 years of diplomatic relations. Hmm. So, yeah, it's a, I definitely wish my school had had a... Yeah, Chinese language program we did school. not. Um, yeah, and so two periods per week for each of its first first four year classes. Around one hundred thirty students are taking part in this. That's a lot. So I, that's mm. also a, a lot of uh, future potential students here. Exchange students, maybe. Yeah. So there you go. Well, quick, go find a soapbox to get up on. A Taipei Park is set to install a podium of freedom where you can air your grievances and uh, have your say. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a complicated story how this began, and a, kind of an unfortunate one, too. I don't know if you've been to the 228 Park. Um, it's right near Taipei Main Station. Yes, there yeah. is an indigenous singer named Panai who has been uh, occupying the park in a protest against... Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's a rather complicated for the few minutes we have remaining, but essentially the issue of what constitutes indigenous land. Okay. And uh, there was, was a fine that was overturned, and then basically uh, the government was criticized for... Uh, you know, some city councilors said that, uh, you know, par parks are traditionally places for public forums, mm -hmm. you know, and speech. So they protest. were. She was there with her husband, right? Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. Uh -huh. okay. And so, uh, appealing the a court decision that said that she could be there, it was freedom of speech, not mm -hmm. hindering public passage, goes against Taipei Mayor Kowanjo's description of the city as friendly to human rights and diversity. Mm. The solution that they've come up with, and I'm not sure how everyone's going to feel about this, but it is something, is a podium of a podium of freedom where people can stand and voice 
their opinions. And it's taken, of course, I think our listeners in the UK will know um, in Hyde Park, there was a place called Speaker's Corner, mm. a traditional place in London for public speeches and debates. And it's sort of a, a mirroring that. Uh, it's already popular for this part for public assemblies anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, A lot of protests happening. If there. you had a soapbox to stand on, what, what grievances would you air, Catherine? I don't. Oh, we don't have enough public trash cans. That. That's an issue I, I can get behind, too. Walked <laughs> miles trying to find one with some gum in my pocket because I didn't want a litter. That's good. Good citizen. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, if you have any ideas of uh, what you would get up on a podium and talk about, uh, please leave us a comment. And uh, for those of you tuned in, that's all for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. But coming up next, we've got hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight coming your way next. For Here in Taiwan, I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Catherine Wei. Stay tuned. Welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, I've got something of a double feature for you. In the first part, we're going to be talking about Tsai Ing-wen talking about her dogs on Twitter for Taiwan Dog Day. And in the second part, we're going to be talking about the Czech Senate president's visit to Taiwan. Anyway, we're a bit pressed for time today. So without further ado, here's Hashtag Taiwan Double Edition. Now, before we get into this week's actual hashtag, I have a little bonus round for you guys today. Uh, We planned out hashtag way in advance, about a week before, but yesterday at the 11th hour, something too perfect for this show came in, and I just had to share it with you guys. President Tsai Ing-wen of Taiwan loves her pets. She's got two cats and three dogs. And yesterday, on September 9th, she wished her three dogs, Maru, Bella, and Bunny. And might I point out, she's got a dog named after a different animal. (laughs) That's so cute. She wished them a happy dog day. Now, I did a little bit of digging, and Taiwan Dog Day actually goes back to September 9th, 1999. September 9th, which is 9-9, also sounds like gao gao, which is doggy doggy in Taiwanese. Now, the Council of Agriculture first celebrated Taiwan Dog Day to promote the Animal Protection Act in Taiwan. According to Animal Planet Taiwan, the first government agency to celebrate Taiwan Dog Day was the Taipei City government back in 1995. And that's just a little bit of hashtag history for you. And now onto hashtag proper. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about the Czech Republic. It's a landlocked country in Central Europe. Now, if you paid attention to news in Taiwan last week, you'll know that the Czech Senate President Milos Vistrichil brought an 89-person delegation to Taiwan. During the pandemic, at a time when global travel is hugely restricted. Vistrichil is the highest level official to visit Taiwan from the Czech Republic since the country's been called that. The Czech delegation left Taiwan last Friday, but Vistrichil left quite the impression. One of the highlights of his trip was when he gave a speech at Taiwan's legislature, which he did in the Czech language. Vistrichil had someone interpreting his speech alongside him, but there was one sentence in particular that didn't need any translating at all. Já jsem 
Tajvanec. Uož Thai Wan Zhen. This Churchill said, Woshi Taiwan Ren in Mandarin Chinese, not Czech. It means I am Taiwanese and it earned him a 25 second round of applause. I'd show you that footage, but 25 seconds is a long time. People likened Vister Chill's bold words to JFK's Ich bin ein Berliner speech from 1963. Anyway, what does all of this have to do with the internet? Well, last week a Czech website, politikunatriku.cz, I know, I butchered that pronunciation, started selling a shirt that said I am Taiwanese in Czech and 我是台湾人 in Romanized text. The shirt came in white or black and sold for 220 Czech karuna, which is about 10 bucks US. That website is a local Czech business, but when Taiwanese people caught wind of that shirt, whoo boy! The website was inundated with requests from Taiwan to buy the shirt. So many people asked the business owners to ship to Taiwan that they had to issue the following response. It says, Dear friends from Taiwan, we are very pleased with your interest in our products. We are a small business from the Czech Republic. We got many inquiries from Taiwan, but the transport costs are very high and our payment methods are not ideal for international payments. It says they're trying to figure out a solution, but they appreciate the support. Zuzana and Marion from the website sign off on the letter. Zuzana and Marion seem very nice to say the least. I'm sure there would have been a few Taiwanese people willing to pay the exuberant shipping costs. Anyway, the story does have a happy ending. I've never ended hashtag on a sour note and I'm not about to start now. Politikuna Triku told Taiwan's central news agency that they're in talks with a Taiwanese company. Their goal is to print and ship the shirts locally. To invoke the words of another historically significant figure, that's one small step for the global t-shirt industry and one giant leap for Taiwan-Czech relations. Anyway, that'll do it for this week's Hashtag Taiwan. I do hope you guys enjoyed that iteration. And once again, if you guys have any questions, comments, or suggestions, go ahead and send it to our Facebook pages at either Radio Taiwan International or Taiwan Insider. I answer both of those message boxes, and I'll be sure to get back to you if you write us a letter. Anyway, until next week, stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy. I'll talk to you again soon. This is Taiwan Explained, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. In today's Taiwan Explained, we're going to tell you why pets make us happy. And here to tell us all about it is Catherine Wei. Hey, Catherine. Hey, Catherine. Hi. Yes, pets are the new life companion. Some say they're easier to take care of than children, and they're actually good for us. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control says that there are a lot of health benefits to having pets, such as decreased blood pressure and lower triglyceride and cholesterol levels. Interaction with our pets also helps relieve stress, anxiety, and depression. Pet owners are also less lonely and more physically active. So basically, our pets make us healthier and happier, right? Uh, now, I've heard people talking about how maybe pets are replacing children. Is that true? It may seem like it. People in Taiwan are marrying later now, and uh, the birth rate is very low. It hit a new low last year. Uh, the World Population Review actually cites only 1.2 children born to each Taiwanese woman. Wow. So okay. I actually have some friends, some female friends who are in their 30s and 40s who don't want to marry, mm. and but they love their little dogs to death. 
So I, I think for some people, of course not everyone, they are the new children. I mean, they can be like a child, very mm -hmm. lovable and yeah. very loyal. And, and I think easier than a child. To there's take nothing care of. wrong with that either, too, right? right? If you prefer to have a pet than a child, go for it, right? Yeah. But I think that maybe the concern is that people are blaming pets like cats and dogs oh. as being the reason why people are having fewer children. But I think there are probably other reasons, yeah. You can't blame pets and for yeah. that. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're just too cute, but you yeah. can't blame them. <laughs> no, whatever life situation you're in, if they make you happy, go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's great to know how pets are good for us and how they make us happy. And that is our Taiwan Explain for the week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Yes, and today my guest is Edgar Cho, who is co-founder and managing partner of Spark Labs Taipei. So let's meet Edgar. Hi. Hello, Shirley. <laughs> and um, you're originally from Jiayi, you say? Yeah, correct. And then eventually you moved uh, to Xinzhu and you worked there for a couple of years or something like that? So I studied in Xinzhu. Oh, you Qing studied in Xinzhu? Yeah, in Tsinghua University. Yeah. Right, and then you've gone f further north to Taipei. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> right, okay. Um, what is Spark Labs? So Spark Labs Taipei is a, a VC fund together with an accelerator. So we targeted to help early stage founders to help them expand their business internationally. Okay. So we have a VC fund. So we invest into all the company we select. And during the acceleration program, we help them either like figure out their business model, help them expand to new markets, or, or even we host our demo day to help them raise the next round of funding. So oh. acceleration model, it's a quite interesting model. It's originally from uh, Silicon Valley that uh, the most well-known asset is the Y Combinator, that pe people know that there is a group of founders who successfully exited their company and try to help more founders uh, to help them like grow from like in a very early stage. So uh, I was also like working in the startup uh, and, and just try to give back to the society. So that's how we started like Spotify Taipei. Oh, social enterprises. Uh, it could be social enterprise, but it's uh, it, it it's actually more about like it's an ecosystem. So if, like among all the founders that people knows uh, for entrepreneurs, it's hard to uh, survive. Yeah. Because you are lacking of resources. Funding. Yeah, time and money. Um, so it's definitely very critical. But all the society that all the innovation are all driven by the entrepreneurs. So how we can secure more early search founders to, to make sure they have good enough resources to make sure that we have the room for them to, you know, try and error. And even especially like from the government side, from the corporate side, how we can gather together. I always like to say like it takes a village to raise a child. 
it also takes a village to raise a startup. Uh-huh. So that's how like this early stage uh, startup ecosystem looks like. What was your major in college? I mean, yeah, mm. what did you study? Yeah, so my major was in quantitative finance. So it's a financial quantitative engi- finance. Ah, uh. yeah, it's sort of like in financial engineering. Oh. Yeah, for the group of people who made the financial crisis happen in 2008, like <laughs> the people like us. <laughs> oh, okay. But but um, I, I I I I chose that major was be- because I I have a I'm a big fan of like mathematics and I I knew it I knew it You're good <laughs> with numbers okay. I love numbers, uh, but I but but I don't just want to study that. I want to apply. I want to make more application regarding numbers. So that's how I decided to apply uh, to National Taiwan University under the quantitative finance department. And it's a very um, uh, well diversified course cl- curriculum de- design. They have advanced calculus, they have statistics, they have programmings, they have economics, and especially like finance as well. So also because of that, I, I, I found my interest in tech. Uh, in my in my senior um, uh, uh, age, and I realized, wow, there's like so many things that are happening right now in the tech field uh, that are waiting for us to solve. You know, and I thought that Spark Labs is more tech, more so than you were saying, like accelerator and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, that that threw me off. But <laughs> then it's combined. You know, everything. It seems like nowadays, I mean, um, you know, let's say an advertising company. Mm-hmm. You can't just only use people with advertisement mm-hmm. background. Mm-hmm. You have to use people from all disciplines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it seems like that's how it is with your company too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the uh, mentality is more like, for sure, there's a lot of like cultural, there's a lot of uh, human being activities. But nowadays, since we have like mo- mobile phones and we are playing around all the laptops, and so for every second or every minute that there's a lot of data that cannot be generated by all the user behaviors, and for the environment or for the lifestyle that we are living, it's all surrounded by those data. So how we can lavish those data to help us like to provide a better life that was like th- that would be a definitely something that we, we we need to look into so not just for data but also like um so at spark labs that we highly um encouraging people to think from uh, like from day one that you need to think what kind of data you are generating what kind of data mm-hmm. value that you could be generated or, along the way and who might be leveraged or who might be benefit by using those data so you can imagine like, for example, like Internet of Things, IoT, or like AI machine learning, and also like FinTech, e-commerce, cybersecurity, digital healthcare, all those information are all collected like uh, as a data format, but without interpretation or without further analytics or like the artificial intelligence that you can do prediction, those data just, just be numbers, mm. it will be meaningless. And Taiwan got the advantage to uh, by forming the data, because like we, we we have very transparency like data usage, and also like we have we just like have a a, a lot of hours that can also help uh, those data to to be transformed from like maybe physical or from bio from agriculture into like digital form. So all those like techniques can can help us like grow the business at the same time that can can think more about how we can generate revenues regarding uh, those user information or those user data without uh, violating their privacy. 
Can you give an example of a company that you've helped with, a startup that you have helped with without giving a name? I don't know, like how you helped from day one and then, yeah, just an example. Yeah, so uh, there, there is a company that we uh, accelerated called FastTech. So they are doing the IoT devices. They are detecting for the temperature and humidity. Oh, yeah. So we need that in Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not it's so humid Taiwan. here. Yeah, so like in Taiwan, um, and I think right now it's it's it's, it's summer, so it's very hot. Uh. And you know, for dairy farms, like oh. all the cows, that when the temperature goes up to uh, just goes up to one, uh, you know, like Celsius degree, then like the all the milky. F- all, all the diary will be impacted yeah because the, the the temperature goes up or it goes like lower for even like one one degree Celsius. one degree yeah. yeah so how can you be how can you aware of that yeah i mean it would definitely be impossible for you to major or to observe all the uh the traditional uh monitor and mm. to check out the temperature so yeah. the company providing a device uh, including a sensor so what w- you can set the 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 seating you can set the top line and also bottom line when the temperature goes like higher than that yeah then that like degree and then you will get a notification put in, no, push a notification on okay. your mobile phone okay. so it will alert you that hey the temperature is too high maybe yeah. you can pull some water or some farm they are automatically connected with the watering system uh-huh. for for that the whole farm that can cool down immediately so which will, won't be impacted by like the 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 volume of the milk that are gonna be produced yeah and this usage is just, just as one case you mm. know like in in the forest uh upside for the worker tent they actually got a lot of chance that the temperature is too high so there will be you know, some fire th- from the forest oh right of course forest fire and you, you just can't be monitored this thing happen because there there's no one like be there to to observe or monitor like every every other hour or every yeah. hour so they just by using this the same device uh by plugging like the so- solar panel then you can you, you can just uh if the temperature is too high especially when it comes to a fire mm-hmm. you'll also be getting the notification, notification. yeah oh. and this service is not just beneficial for the taiwanese uh you know like agriculture or those kind of public departments uh so like in singapore uh the gardens by the bay the largest like the greenhouse in, mm-hmm. in Singapore, they are also using this device oh, because really? it's a very huge greenhouse. Mm. So if you are counting on like the manpower to climb up and to do the measurement, it costs too much. Yeah. So they are putting this device for every different like floors. So in order to detect that the temperature as well. Oh. And also that the, the, the Hainan uh, chicken, the killing farms in Singapore, all the killing farms like, there, they also install this like device to do the like uh, coaching, transportation, and also do the monitoring as well. Uh-huh. So, so how we help them is that okay, this is a we, they already proved their product market fit. How they can expand to more countries uh-huh. with like limited resources. So you help them with that. Yeah, we help them with that. So uh-huh. within the three month like excursion period, the company successfully ship out like the device to nineteen countries. Wow. Yeah, so uh, we we were very lucky to be the first investor to that company uh, and help them expand internationally. So uh-huh. that was like one of the case. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So you only just help these companies or startups in the startup period. 
Um, do you guys follow through? I mean, do they keep in touch with you with, you know, like late, like, I don't know, um, post-production uh, period? Yeah. I mean, they still need you, right? Yeah. They, so... they need you all the way through? <laughs> or, or is it only in the startup period yeah. of any of these startups? I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, for every startup, that is very critical in very, in, in especially in early stage. So, we, we were there, like with them. Uh, when when they were like no resources, no one trusting them, and we were like the first uh, investors to that company. So for sure that the trust level is very high. Especially we work the result together with them. It's not like we teach them; it's more about we work with them. So they start to learn about our working model. They start to learn about how to scale up. So I mean those things make that the trust level very uh, concrete. For sure, they start to raise that the next round of funding, so there will be more investors coming in. There will be more partners coming in. So they also grow uh, along the way, but the trust is there. So whenever they meet the challenges or they are they want to celebrate, we, we yeah we got another team who just like won some is a very remarkable like prize around the globe. The first time that the first thing he posts on like his social media is to think about Spark Labs, how we help them mm. to get that. And but we we we're actually the smallest in, investor mm-hmm. to that company. Mm-hmm. But what what I want to express is that is is a long journey. Mm. So uh, we we started with with a founder, but later on we're gonna have more shareholders that are coming in to to grow the team to grow the business. But the founders, whenever they need support, will just be there. And I mm. think the ecosystem need more uh, uh, founders that help more founders to 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 grow the thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, you're saying that you work with these startups, with we work with these companies. How big is your company? How many people? Because you're <laughs> gonna need a lot of people because you're working with them. You're not just like you know, hey, you do this, and then they can they're on their own. It looks like you you really do walk along with them and help them. How big is the company? How many people? So uh, for Spotless Taipei, we have a different roles. Uh, uh-huh. We have. Uh, four full-time staff on ground in Taipei, uh, in Taipei office, uh, many helping uh, the founders from maybe finance, from the program side, from the marketing and community side, including myself. But we also have uh, several partners that who were like entrepreneurs or even like they were investing into the very high-profile companies before. So including several, uh, the, the Taiwan route, uh, the Taiwan-related uh, entrepreneurs, including like the fun- uh, co-founder of YouTube, Steve Chen, uh-huh. And also that, that two founders like Charles and Kai Huang, that the founder from Guitar Hero, uh-huh. and also like the uh, we ha- also have the co-founder from Twitch, uh, Kevin Lin, as one of the mentor and advisor, that helping uh, not just ourselves but also helping that the more founders to grow their business. Okay. So uh, it's a it's a VC fund plus accelerator that we highly leverage not just ourselves but also mentor connection. So uh, I recruit more than 60 mentors from uh, around the globe. Oh. So also helping uh, the founders from Taiwan to expand whenever that they need it. Yeah, that, 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 that's a smart move. And I guess that's the trend is that you don't have to have a company with all full-time employees. Mm-hmm. And that is a load of responsibility. Mm-hmm. But actually just through mentors, mm-hmm. you know, spread out in different parts of this country or maybe even other countries. And mm-hmm. then 
and and but then you're all working for the same purpose.、Mm. So that means I would assume that those mentors, what do you call it, um, 斜杠 yeah, slash slash <laughs> um careers.、Yeah. I don't know. They they're they're mentors to you, but then they're probably mentors to other companies, or they have their own job or whatever, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, so um, how this works? I think is is mainly because like everyone got their not just own agenda, everyone got their own interests. So you 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 need to leverage um, you need to fulfill the interests. So for most of the founders, so I divide the founder into like three different parts. And what are those three different parts? To find out, join me next week on In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwaninternational. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwaninternational for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.